this is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. I've got several scriptures I want to go to with you this morning. And so I, I do want to just focus on the word. Let me uh, get my, my notes up here. Did you know that our copy machine took a shower? They don't make them like they used to. Okay, in the old days when I was a kid, our copy machines could sit out in the rain for weeks. This one gets a little bit wet, and that one's toast. So uh, nevertheless, we have a new one. It's at our office, and uh, we'll be able to make copies there if we get there early enough on Sunday morning, um, if we can get out of bed after the day before. Okay, you guys ready? Did I give you a scripture yet to turn to? Uh, let's go to a couple places, can we? Um, I'm going to start from Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, but really we're going to spend more time in Luke chapter 4, and we're going to get to Acts chapter 10, and then we're going to work our way all the way around to uh, Revelation. I will let you out before March. Hey, Matthew 4, 23. We're on this series about the end-time revival or end-time harvest. I want to talk to you about God's process for doing things. God's process for doing things. So often we think that God it just works in mysterious ways, and so he's sovereign, and he wants to do whatever he wants to do. And if it's the Lord's will, it will happen. Have you ever heard people say things like that? I've probably said it. You've probably said it at times. We catch it. And, and you know, if, it, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. If God wants it to happen, it'll happen. You know, God, and if, if, if uh, he's sovereign, so he'll make things happen. And so when it comes to the miraculous, when it comes to the intervention, the help, the assistance, the provision, the deliverance, whatever it is that, that we really need God to do, sometimes we kind of just push it off and say, well, if it's going to happen, it's got to be God's will. I don't know if it's his will. I'll find out if it happens, and then I'll say it was God's will. If it doesn't happen or hasn't happened yet, I'll say, well, if it's God's will, and I'll kind of leave it over there in the if. But, you know, that's not how God operates. He doesn't say just leave it over there in the land of if it be, you know, and, and he wants to let us know what his will, his plan, his intention is. So that, not that uh, he just shows up and makes it happen, but so that we know how to access his will. He knows how, know how to access his will. And so sometimes people think that uh, Jesus, for example, when he went around doing ministry, it was sort of like he would just go and, and, and heal, heal, deliver, cast out, raise the dead, multiply, speak this word. He would just go around and he was, he was this miracle working man who just wherever he showed up, he would just start like duck, duck, goose, like duck, 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 healed, goose, you know, like you get it. And it's random. And it was just all up to when he chose to do it. And you understand what I'm saying, that concept? Some people have a duck, duck, goose concept of God's power, meaning this. Not for you, not for you, not for you, not for you, you. And then the healing comes, and, and it's like chase after God and watch what he does, and it's a lot of fun. And everyone else says, I wish he picked me. 
I wish I got to run and play that game, right? I just sat here and got the not for you one. Not for you. I'm just a duck, 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 the ugly duckling probably, right? And then you get to be the golden goose, and you're running around, and you're chasing, and God is doing great things in your life, but why not mine? I guess it's just how it works. I guess it's just hit God's will. Must not be my will. God's will for me. So that's, but that's not what the Bible teaches. So this is where we have to get to, is how does God operate? Jesus did go around and do mighty miracles. He did do the healing, the, the acts of power, uh, works of faith, and so forth. But he had a, a general process that he followed. And we see this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, where it says this, and let's read it out loud from the screen together. It says, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of disease among the people. So Jesus didn't go around just heal, 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 heal. Like, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. The guy's like, I didn't even need to be healed. Well, that's all right, you got healed anyways. Because, you know, that's not how he operated. He went around, first of all, and he was teaching. He was teaching in their synagogues. He was, he was instructing. He was bringing a message he had to teach because what does teaching do? It helps you learn something. It informs you. It helps you become aware of some new information or reinforce something that you knew before. It renews your mind. And Jesus didn't just come and say, here I am, the, the son of God in power. He didn't just come and do that. And then just, you guys just watch, watch this. And poof, poof, you know, he didn't do that. He came and, and Jesus just began to teach. He was he was giving this information, and he was preaching. He was proclaiming. He was proclaiming the good news. He was letting everybody know, so he was, he was proclaiming the kingdom of God, the will of God, the plan of God. He was telling people about who God is and how God works, and before he was doing all the miracles, before he was healing people and interacting in their lives and, and intervening in their lives, showing up in their lives, before they were becoming a will, a, aware of his will in practice, he was declaring, he was revealing, he was preaching his will to them before he acted on it. And so they were able to grab hold of and receive it. Jesus went about teaching and preaching and healing in that order. Now, there will be sometimes some people say, well, there's an exception over here or over there. Uh, there may very well be sometimes where you see God who is truly sovereign, who is exceptionally gracious, who is way over the top merciful. You will see some things that might not exactly fit that pattern and thank God for it. But you don't see him ignoring the pattern. He might go over and above it, like even better than, but he sure doesn't do worse than. In other words, worse than would be, I'm teaching it, I'm preaching it, but I'm not going to do it. Better than is, man, you just, you just got it. I can, I, you, we don't see the details in the scripture, but, but it, it happened. But, but there's not less than. This is important because sometimes you might think that you're the exception to the rule on the negative side. Now, if we're going to be the exception to anything when it comes to God's ways, it would be even better than like what I, what I truly understood. It would be better than, not worse than. And Jesus is proclaiming these things, and the reason why he's doing it this way is because people don't think this way. 
they think the other way. And so Jesus had to convince people what the will of God was and how the kingdom of God works. And so Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. So this is what he did. This is how he operated. And uh, he would go and teach, and he would, he would heal, and, and, uh, or he'd teach, he would preach, and then he would heal, and he would act. And, and what would happen is people who would hear about, and by the way, sometimes they would hear the message from others, they heard the testimony of who Jesus was and what he did from others, and they said within themselves, if I only can lay my, you know, grab hold of the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. They say this within themselves. You, you remember that lady with the, the, the issue of blood? In, in, um, in Mark chapter 5, it, tells, it says this, she said within herself, she said, if I can lay my hands on his garment there, I'll be healed. She said this. Why is that? Because she heard that Jesus is healing. So faith came alive, not because she thought, mm, it would be really cool to get healed by somebody today, but Jesus heals people. And then she said within herself, I can be healed if I come into contact with him. And so she had this point of contact and this faith that came alive on the inside, knowing that if, that if, I, if I engage with Jesus here, that I will be healed. And she said that out of her mouth. Let me just ask you this, too, by the way. What are you saying out of your mouth? What are you saying out of your mouth? Uh, what are you saying about how you feel? What are you saying about how you look? What are you saying about what you have? What are you saying about these things, these situations in your life? Uh, you will have what you say. She had what she said. And so, so she said this, and when she came into Jesus' presence, she laid hands on his garment. She was healed. Power came out of Jesus. Sometimes people would say, well, yeah, she was healed because, you know, Jesus, power came out of Jesus. She touched Jesus. That's not why she was healed. It wasn't just because Jesus was powerful. A lot of people were touching him. Remember what the response of the disciples? But Jesus said to her in verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith has made you well. Um, why would he, he say that? Why would he say that? Why didn't he say, my power has healed you? you? You made the right decision today. Why would he say that? And I think he said that because the power of God is always available when we believe. But in order to believe and place faith, we can only believe and place faith based on the word of God. And believing that, believing what the word says, what, what it's, has been proclaimed about the kingdom. Uh, Jesus said a similar thing in Matthew chapter 9 about the two blind men. He said, according to your faith, let it be to you. Their eyes were open. He said to blind Bartimaeus in Mark chapter 10, go your way, your faith has made you well. Uh, the leper who was healed along with nine others, he said, arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. What is God saying here is your faith, faith has risen and as a, res a result of that, uh, you, you have received, you have received what has been proclaimed you have received what's available to you. You've received these things, but it's because of your faith. And he points out faith for an important reason, because faith, on a biblical sense, is not blind trust. Like, okay, I think if I step out on one more step, I believe something's going to hold me up. And uh, or I'm hoping that God catches me. Faith is not the same as 
blind trust. Faith is a you know, substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. You may not see it, but faith is God has said it. I can step out and it will work, though I don't see it. Faith is different than blind trust. Faith is, no, it will work. Faith is, no, the tree will wither up. Faith is, no, the mountain will move. Faith is, no, the carpet will be gone, a new carpet, by the end of next month, right? Faith is that. It's not, hey, wouldn't it be cool if? It's not it. And Jesus is saying to them, your faith has accessed this, but where did the faith come from? Teaching and preaching, right? And so let's go back to Luke chapter 4. Because we're going to catch something that I think is so important. Actually, if you look at Luke chapter 3, verse 20 something another. Verse 21, it says this, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven in which said, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So what happened right here? Jesus was baptized with water, but he also was filled with the spirit of God. The spirit came down upon Jesus, the son of God. Jesus, when he was born, he, the Bible says that he had emptied himself of his godlike attributes. He was still the son of God, but though he was a son of God, he didn't come down here and start intervening in human affairs as God. He didn't start acting as God in that sense and overruling the laws of nature. He came as a man, 100% God still, but he had limited himself to the same abilities, powers, challenges, temptations that you and I face. But as a man, he walked in victory over those things. And then as a spirit-filled man, which is his intention for all of us, that's when he began to walk in the supernatural power. So it was at this point in Jesus' ministry, when he was baptized in water, that he was also filled with the Holy Spirit, which empowered him for the ministry that we think of when we think about Jesus. So when you continue to read in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, and Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some people say, you know, uh, that, that we don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, if Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And he says, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, he, he returned from the Jordan, and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And so this is when we get into that, uh, that time when Jesus was tempted by the devil. He had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and he overcame temptation. Being led by the Spirit, he was led into a place where there was a place of temptation, where the enemy shown up. But because he looked to the Word when temptation came up, he overcame temptation. He didn't look to his own power or his own strength, but, but he was driven right back to the Word by the way, the word that was hidden in his heart. If you're struggling with the flesh, don't try to overcome the flesh by the flesh. Romans says, by the spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. The word of God is spirit. The word of God is truth. The Psalm says, how can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word, O Lord. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I, might not, I may not sin against you. Jesus is practicing these things 
when he's dealing with temptation and he's overcoming it and he's demonstrating to us how to overcome temptation ourselves. Well, he does. He overcomes all this. And, and then verse 14, it says, then Jesus returned in the power of the spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. News of what? Who he is, what he's teaching and what he's doing. His fame starts to spread. Now let's take a, some time to walk through the, the book of Luke here. I mean, the chapter chapter four of the book of Luke. It says, after he returns in the power of the spirit to Galilee, verse 15 says, and he taught. What did he do? He taught, right? So here he is filled with the spirit and you think that he's going to immediately do some powerful things. Well, he does. And the first powerful thing he does is teaches because people need to be taught. We need the word of God taught to us in faith. Not to know what the Bible says, but so that we can believe what the Bible says. So he taught in all their synagogues, being glorified by all. And so then he came to Nazareth, where he was brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now, Nazareth is his hometown there. And in Jesus' day, they say it's probably about 40 families who made up the town of Nazareth. When we went to Israel in 2007, we stayed in Nazareth. It's a, it's a bigger city now, but then it was just a, probably a small town, 40, 50 families or so. So they all show up at the same synagogue on Saturday mornings, you know, for their Sabbath services or whenever they do it. Well, when, when the Sabbath came, Jesus showed up one day after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He grabs the scroll of Isaiah. So it wouldn't be a book form like ours, but he grabs the scroll. And instead of finding the chapter and verse like we do, he starts, you know, scrolling through it, scrolling through it. And then he finds this place right here in verse eight, uh, 18. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he finds the place prophesied by Isaiah about the spirit of God being upon him to do something. And Jesus preaches this message, by the way. This is his opening scripture. For his message, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So far, this is a great scripture. People would be familiar with it. They're like, well, look at him. He's just sharing that. I wonder what he's going to say about that. And then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant. He sat down. Everybody's looking at him. All right, well, that's good scripture, Jesus. And then he begins to say to him, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, today. Now they look at this and they're like, you know, like God's gonna do it. Oh, that's a great encouraging scripture. That's for some day. That's for some people. That's for some place. But Jesus opens the book and he says, today, that scripture is fulfilled. And I believe maybe even the Lord is saying to us, to, today, this scripture is fulfilled. Today, these words are, that are coming out are not, they're not for tomorrow, they're for today. And so he says today, and, and when he's, he's reading this scripture, he's not talking about the prophet Isaiah and, and how God's going to use him. He's saying, no, the spirit at the Jordan, when I was baptized, came upon me and he anointed me to do something. And today, it's your day. Today is the day you see it in action. And what did the Spirit of the Lord come on him to do? If you look back at that, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach. 
The very first thing that the Spirit of God came on him to do, to anoint him to do, is to preach, to speak words, because words are powerful. The Word of God proclaimed in faith is powerful. And he says there's an anointing on that. And he begins to teach. He doesn't just show up to church and just start running the aisles and healing people. He says, I'm going to teach you the word. And then he goes on to say, and to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim. There's a whole lot of teaching anointing going on with the word of Jesus. Then he closes the book. So listen, verse 22, all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Now, maybe there's synagogue that has about as many people as this right here. And they all know Jesus. And they've known Jesus for a long time growing up. And they're marveling, hey, that's, that's really amazing what you just said. But we know your, we know your mom. We know you're your Joseph's boy. We know your brothers and sisters running around. We've seen you. You haven't done any of that stuff all this time. And the Bible says this, that... Um, as you continue to go down and read this, it's a, it, um, it tell, tells us, where did I go? Okay. Jesus said in verse 23, he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also in this country. And he said, surely I said to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And so if you read this story here, you find out that Jesus could do no miracles. I think it's in Mark's gospel. Jesus could do no miracles in that church, in that place that day for a reason, though. Though he taught and proclaimed, he could do no miracles in there because of a certain reason. They all were so familiar with him, they were offended at him. And he could do only a few, the Bible says he could only do a few things there, a few healed a couple people because they didn't have the faith. Because of their unbelief, the scripture says. They were offended, but they didn't believe. They heard the words, but they didn't believe. And so the truth came, but the faith needs to be there. And sometimes offense, unforgiveness, criticism, uh, cynicism, that type of stuff will undermine our faith. Discounting what God said, who God is using. Discounting that message. And so God, Jesus could only do a few things there. So what does he do? Do you think he said, you know what, I need to come up with a better approach, maybe just win their favor. Maybe I just need to come around and say, I know you know me, but, but uh, come on, let's just try to believe together. He doesn't do that. He goes on and he continues to preach. And so you look at what he does. So verse 31 says, then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. What was he doing? He went on and he kept teaching them. It says, and they were all astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. We don't even see miraculous stuff starting to flow quite yet, though there's some little things here and there. But the focus that Luke is trying to communicate to us, or the Holy Spirit, is saying Jesus went about teaching. And now, from this point, you see the floodgates of heaven opened up. 
And it says, they were astonished. Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What do we have to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But what does Jesus do? He rebukes him saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him into their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Then all who were all were amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is. What a word this is. They see the power of God demonstrated, but it came because of his words. It came because of his words. And so Jesus is going around, and before he has the healing miracle deliverance service, he's teaching. This is why we tell people, get in your word on a daily basis. Let God teach you. Get faith-filled preaching into your ears so that you come away believing God. And when you need deliverance, you access it by faith. When you need healing, you're accessing that by faith. What if, I haven't, what if I'm still struggling? Keep building your faith. Keep stepping out in faith. Now you go to verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue, entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. They made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. So they have this little healing service in the house. They know Jesus is the healer. Can you come and heal her? And he does. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, all, who were, uh, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons came out of many crying, you are the Christ, the son of God. And he rebuking them did not allow him to speak for they knew that he was Christ. So he's preaching, he's teaching, and then the miracles start to happen. But it's after the teaching and preaching comes. Uh, verse 42, now when it was day, he departed, went into a deserted place and the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. But listen to what he says, verse 43. But he said to them, I must, what? I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, because for this purpose, I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Now, if you just keep on reading, you're going to see this pattern. Very next chapter, Jesus is teaching the, the crowds of people, gets into a boat, miracles happen. Jesus teaches, he preaches, miracles happen. Jesus teaches, preaches, miracles happen. You see this over and over. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I ask you to turn over there, Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 38. Peter, this is down the road, the Jewish uh, church, the, the early church was a Jewish church, all Jewish, all Jewish. Uh, the disciples, all Jewish. Holy Spirit came, 120 people upper room, all Jewish. 3,000 that got saved that day, all Jewish. But God's heart was not just for the Jewish people. God made a covenant with the Jewish people, but his desire was to save the whole world. And he was intending to use the Jewish people like a seed to grow, expand, to uh, impact the whole world, which he did. But it took a while for the people to grab a hold of that for the church. So here we are in Acts chapter 10. The, the Christian message had not spread much to uh, Gentile or non-Jewish people yet. But it starts to this passage here it's, if you read the the uh, verses in the beginning but a non-jewish man invites peter to come preach to him and peter gets there in verse 34 and says he opens his mouth and he says in truth i perceive that god shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him 
Now look at verse 36. Read, read this uh, 36, 37, and 38 out loud with me from the screen. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. You catch this? Peter, way down the road here, many years later, was telling the story that we just walked through from Luke chapter 4. He said, I'm going to tell you this, uh, uh, this story, this story, this message right here, that the word of God, when he says the word, he's not just talking about the Bible and, and, and scriptures. He's talking about there's a message of the kingdom here. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching something, peace through Jesus Christ. That word you know, that word you know, not the whole Bible, but that word that Jesus went about preaching from Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. That was the message that Jesus continuously taught. And he went around and let people know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He goes around and he's preaching these and you see additional things he's speaking, but this is his primary message that he's going around and teaching. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is upon him. That's why he's called the Christ. And so he's going around, and Peter uses the same message. This is why it's so important for us today to understand something here, is that it's not just, it's not just having a Bible. It's not just, again, being able to understand it historically. It's about hearing what the Spirit of God is saying to you. And he said, that word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning, that it began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So after that point when Jesus was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He said, and this is the message, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. This is what Jesus was doing but he was teaching and preaching the message first, and then he was doing the stuff. He was healing. And, and when you look at 1 John 3, 8, for example, it says, for, for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Some people don't even know the devil's after him. Some people don't even know that, that he's trying to, to disrupt, to steal, kill, and destroy. Some people don't even know that. But some people also don't even know that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And that's what we've got to focus on, amen? That is a, be a much better message than what the enemy is trying to take from us. It's what Jesus has already done. And so this is the purpose he came for. And I want to tie these two scriptures together. 1 John 3, 8. For this purpose right here was the Son of God made manifest or made known that he might destroy the works of the devil. And then we look back at Luke chapter something another, Luke chapter 4, where he said in verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I've been sent. How is Jesus going to destroy the work of the devil in your life? By getting his word to you. Getting his word to you. 
Because the word of God is far more powerful than anything the enemy could do. But you've got to get the word of God in here and into here and out of here. In order for it to be effective and to work, the power of God is available to each and every one of us right now, right now, just like it was to the crowd, but that one lady grabbed hold of it by faith. It was available to everybody. I think sometimes I love these stories about people who come up through adverse you know, circumstances, situations, when the whole world's against them, but some aware, somehow they believe they could do it, so they did. They weren't limited by age. They weren't limited by color. They weren't limited by gender. They weren't limited by their financial resource or, or education. All of those things could have been against them, but they said, those aren't my stumbling blocks. Those aren't my barriers. I will blow past those. Some of them do it because of faith in Jesus. Some of them do it just because someone told them they could. The reality is you can. You can. I understand there's a general uh, wall that wants to hold people back for any number of reasons. And a lot of people come up to that and they say, I guess we can't get past that. I guess I can't. I guess this is as far as I can go. But I'm telling you, there's some people who say, well, let me grab a shovel, I'll go under it. Let me grab a ladder, I'll go over it. Hey, you come here, I'm gonna stand on your shoulders. They will figure out a way because they know this isn't gonna stop me. The, the provision is there available for everyone. The ability to overcome is there for everyone, to be healed, to tap into, to be delivered, to be free. It's available to everybody. But the way to lay hold of it is by faith. That's why Jesus goes around teaching and preaching is to build faith because there's no limitation to the provision of God. There's no lack. He says, I have everything you need. I have everything. I wanna get it to you, but I wanna tell you how you can access it because it's not duck, duck, goose with me. It's everybody's the goose. Everybody's the goose, right? This is, this is his deal. Every, it's for everybody. But let me tell you how it works. I think that the Lord wants to, wants to just do that work in us. I think, how many of you would say, you know, I'm ready to, I'm ready to get past some things in life that have, that have hindered me. Anybody here? Anybody say, I'm ready to be healed from this thing that, that has hurt me. Whether it's in here or it's right here, or here, or here, or here, or up here. Maybe some people are saying, I'm, I'm ready to be free from the things that, that have bound me. I'm, I'm, those things that have held me back. Today is your day. Today the Spirit of the Lord is here. The Spirit of the Lord is here to, to proclaim freedom and liberty and deliverance and healing and for us, it's to lay hold of it by faith. God, I receive it. Let's do it even right now. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet. Maybe lift your hand. And let's begin to pray. And would you do this? Would you just begin to talk to the Lord and say, Lord Jesus, today is my day. You lift your voices. Today is my day, Lord God. Today is the day where I receive healing from you. Today I lay hold of healing by faith. Today is the day I lay hold of deliverance by faith. Today is the day that I get free from 
alcoholism, free from uh, these addictions. Today is the day that I get free. Today is the day that my mind is at peace. Today is the day that you have set me free, Lord God. Today is the day that I'm free from depression. Today is that day I lay hold of you by faith. I lay hold of my healing. I lay hold of my protection. I lay hold of my provision. Say it, come on. I lay hold of the provision by faith. I call provision come, debt go. In the name of Jesus, poverty go. In the name of Jesus, body be healed. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I declare freedom over every one of your people here today. I say faith must arise. That doubt and unbelief and unforgiveness and offense must be torn down in Jesus' name. If you have any of that in your heart right now while you stand praying, if you hold anything against anybody, forgive them right now. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I forgive my mom. I forgive my brother. I forgive that coworker. I forgive our government. I forgive my uncle in the name of Jesus. Whoever you might hold something against in your heart, forgive them right now and, and say, Lord God, and I receive forgiveness from you. I receive cleansing from you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have made me worthy by your own blood, not by my righteousness. We receive it from you right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord God, I know that uh, there are so many more things that you would, you would want to say and that you will say to us, but we receive your word in all of its power right now. Say, I receive your word in all of its power, Jesus. You are who you said you are. You have done what you said you will do. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in my presence. Today in my church, the gospel has been preached to the poor. And now we are rich. Liberty has been proclaimed to the captives. And now we are healed, or now we are free. Healing has been proclaimed to the brokenhearted. And now we are healed. Recovery of sight to the blind. And now we see. Thank you for the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of restoration. That you give back that which was stolen. That provision belongs to us. We have an abundance for every good work. We are debt free. We have provision from God. We're a blessing to others. People will look at us and, and wonder why. And we'll say, because we serve a great God who is faithful to his word. And we will proclaim freedom to them. Because freely we have received and freely we will give. Thank you for your word today, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. Amen.